Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. And there it is. It is just here. Oh my gosh, I hit the button. I'm stuck. I have to do this, but I'm excited. I, I, there's no turning back. This is about to happen. And I, I'm just so excited. That, okay. Who am I talking to? Why can I not even do an introduction right now? Because I'm talking to a genius. He is a sales leader, thought leader, topics like SDR, sales, outbound sales, personalization, objection handling. I object. You would. Now he started in sales and now he's, he's transitioned to that world of entrepreneurship and tech. And he's actually helping create some tech to help sellers sell, which we, we're going to get into all these different things. Now, some say he's actually the gift God, but he would describe himself as a man, a human being human. with 12 plus years in sales. Co-founder of Video, Will Holden. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. That was a stunning intro. <laughs> I really I do appreciate my best. it. Yeah, I do yeah, my best. Yeah. I hope I live up to the hype. No, I, I am. I'm, I'm of godly status when it comes to gifts and memes now. Yes, Joke. godly status. So no, tell I'm me, trying and trying. Tell me, I, I have a question. I, I I need to. Oh, I gotta grab. I got. I had it in a different place. One second. Let's go get it. Here it is. Okay, here it is. <laughs> I I was uh, storing this object in another place. All right, it's heavy. Uh, oh, look at that. Okay. <laughs> Grab it. Can you grab that? I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. It's heavy take, though, man. Take Thor's hammer and smash for me something, Will. Smash a marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Uh, okay. Smash. This, this might sound a bit general and we tease it out, but not all leads are created equal. And, and that maybe to a lot of folks sounds obvious and that's great. You know, you're, you're progressive marketeers and you're listening to this and you're finding all sorts of ways to segment your leads and help salespeople extract value from them and provide value to them in, in really structured and thoughtful, uh, capacity-sensitive ways, let's call it. But there are a lot of folks out there that, that a lead is a lead and they have a target of MQLs and it's this big you know, homogenous target. And then if they deliver it, they did a great job. And if they didn't, they did a, a bad job. But that is a myth and it's a lot more nuanced than that and in my experience of course not all leads are created equal and the definition of what makes a good lead from a marketer's perspective and from a seller's perspective can be wildly different within the same company within the same org even sometimes within the same room there can be this discourse around what a good lead is and i felt it before we're at polar opposites right polar opposites and even when we have a common definition of this is a high scoring lead that's crazy, that man. Angle. No, it's not. That's crazy. Uh, shouldn't it be sales's definition? That's a really good point. So it kind of should and it shouldn't. Um, this, is, this is an interesting point. I mean, if it was, fine. But I would argue, and yeah, maybe there'd be some short-term wins from that and the sellers would feel great and the, the marketeers might, well, okay, you, you own it. You're accountable to it. You, you tell yeah, us. I, I gave um, you what you want, man. That's what, yeah. you, that's what you asked for. Here's a fun thing. So, sellers oftentimes actually, they don't know entirely what they want. They don't always know what great is. And even if they do, it might not remain great forever. So in a changing market, and as businesses grow, 
And as their needs grow and as their goals change, what might have been a good lead last month might not be anymore. So it's less that sales know and should know and marketing should listen to sales. And it's more like when this is done really well, it's more of a flywheel, right? Where both parties, and there are lots of other people connected to this, not just marketing sales. It's really any, anybody and everyone that touches revenue to some degree. Ideally, there's this feedback loop, this mechanism between all of them. And we're constantly optimizing and redefining what a quality lead looks like. And there are a few you know, me mechanisms you can put in place to do that. Um, but really, you can boil it all down to just like constant communication and conversation about what good and bad is with managers and leaders in there to help layer and filter and focus everything. Um, but when it's done well, like not all leads are equal. There is some form of segmentation and actually that segmentation changes frequently and, and often. And yes, frequently it will be driven by sales and their perspective on what's happening on the ground, right? In the weeds, there's a lot of nuance to be gathered from them and marketing needs to be careful not to take it all on board and filter it. Um, but it shouldn't be dictated by a seller. I think there's this really healthy middle ground and, and it's very hard to do it. It's really hard to do that. And that's why I think it can sometimes default to, well, there are the leads. And then there's a bit of an over the fence motion and it's like, go and work the leads. Right. And then, it, and then sales says they're shit us. leads. I hate them. Yeah. Give me more. To us. Sellers can't close things. What's going <laughs> on? And then it, it, this, this, this unconstructive dialogue just starts to fester into something else and yeah. then things can break down and, and then you end up with like true silos and, and resentment. Right. So we don't want that. No, we don't. It's interesting to hear you say it that way too, because, you know, as a sales leader, thought leader, mover and shaker in that department, and I know you've done work in marketing and whatnot, so that's not all of us seen <laughs> the bridge, but, but to have you say that and to give up, some ground to say, let's no, 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 let's still make it in the middle is really interesting to me to hear because I've often been leading discussions either as a marketer or as like the person in between trying to counsel them back together. And I've experienced that too, where sometimes you're like, okay, sales, you can have anything you want. What do you want? And, and sometimes there, there's either no answer or no idea. And then the knee-jerk reaction from sales can, you know, with their you know, aggressive stance, can be like, "I'll, I'll sell anybody," you know. Yeah. Hey, yeah. do you want, you know, this size, this size, or this size? All the sizes. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And if a seller ever says yeah. that to you, right, that there's an issue because, and and practically, it comes down to this. Okay, you can sell everybody. Great. I wouldn't argue with that, right? You're a good seller. There are lots of companies out there. You've broad product market fit, you work with all types of people, like, yeah, fine, you get an app back, you can probably sell anybody. You have 40 hours a week, right? Yeah. Maybe you do 60 or 80, whatever. Right. There's a finite amount of capacity you have as a seller and then as a team. Think about that capacity as just, you know, units, units of work. You can't give every lead all units of that work, right? You can't give them all that capacity. So yes, maybe in a vacuum, you could sell anybody, but in a real life, living, breathing, growing organization, in a changing organization, uh, you, there needs to be some level of, of thought and prioritization, right? And we need to make trade-offs and we need to accept. I think that this is the sign of a mature seller and a sales org for me, and then a marketing partner with them, is, mm. is this acceptance that we're not gonna be able to go, you know, full-blown, all-out, 100% effort on everything. Because if we do that, it's very likely that we won't do anything very well. You know, and, th and this is 
why that optimization and that pull up and that feedback is so important because at any point in time, we're going to need to accept that some of these leads, they're going to get more time than others. And that's totally appropriate. Maybe they're scored differently. Maybe historically they've converted better, right? Maybe we just know that with the makeup of our team today, it's staffed with SMB sellers. We're just not in a position to capitalize on an enterprise opportunity. So we shouldn't build a really robust motion around that just yet. But that, that changes, right? All those things change. The sales team matures, the marketing team matures, the market matures, the products change, customer sentiment, trends in the market. There are all these other variables out there that at any point in time will dictate how effectively you can sell to a group of prospects, right? A segment of them. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean you change it every day. It just means that every month, like every day, ideally, you've got open dialogue, but it's, it's filtered. And then every month you pull up and you have a good meeting, right? You sit down, you do a full review. What was sent over? How has it worked? What's the anecdotal feedback? What of that can we regard as objective, the subjective? Like, can we go deep on a handful of these and really tell a story around them as opposed to just broad strokes, the leads are bad, you know? And then can we take some of that and tweak, you know, go to market, how we talk to our customers, like the lead capture mechanisms we have in place, all this. It's just this, if I'm not rambling too much, it's this constant evolution and like, it's not sales are, um, they're, they're not sitting in a driver's seat, right? And they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be. For me, there are all these little cogs in a big machine called the business. Sales is one of them. It doesn't matter how big or small that cog is, they're, they're a cog, right? Marketing is another one. Mm -hmm. So it's less about one of them driving and dictating um, what happens in the rest of the machine. It's more about them like feeding mm. back to each other information and supporting one another to be as efficient, to turn as efficiently as they can do, if that's not too silly of an analogy. No, it's not. And, and this is why, I know we were talking at the beginning, the idea of, and for everyone listening, why do you have a sales leader on a marketing podcast? This is exactly yeah. why, because we need to have this conversation and we need to have this dialogue and the, the maturity of both marketing and sales and revenue together can really increase when you have, when you, when marketers have an understanding, I love that you highlighted this, the idea of prioritization, right? Yeah. The fact that good sales prioritize, if they're not good, they're, if they're not mature, they're not prior they're just kind of winging it and calling whatever yeah, they're, front they're, of them. They're gung-ho and they're going to drop the ball and they'll, they'll right, hide that through ego. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, uh, that rep with 40 hours, 40 units. I love that, that idea can't call 4,000 leads, right? Or appropriately follow up on all of them. So there's a, there's a, a, a balance here. You don't need to send too much, but at the same time, you want to send them. And if you can, to your point, help them prioritize, but know that they need to spend time in different places. And so, yeah, yeah the idea that sales needs to prioritize helps marketing realize, okay, they're not, it's not a big department of jerks over here. They're just trying to do what they got to do to try to maximize their time to get those conversions. I suppose the myth here so much isn't like, it's a nice tagline, wasn't it? Not all leads are created equal. It's more so not all leads should be treated equally, right? Oh, I love that. Should be worked equally. And um, an example of this is um, it's very normal for a marketeer to segment leads maybe three ways, right? I say segment. I mean, this is not so much segmentation. It's more just scoring, right? These are really good. These are medium and these aren't as, as great. <laughs> we want to work them all. But the way that that manifests is SLAs, you know? So in my experience, okay, there, there are 100 leads, right? 30 of them have a two-hour SLA. 
as in you need to get on that lead and start working it in a meaningful way. And it needs to be shown in the CRM within two hours. And then we can track that as a KPI. That's the heuristic of how well or not this machine is running. Are you running with what we give you in a reasonable time frame? You jump in on the opportunity. Two hours, medium might be eight hours, low scoring might be like a day or, or more, right? Um, now that's that's good. That's a start. Right. But it doesn't take account of the whole picture. It's that all that is, it's just it's the starting point, it's a catalyst. It's like, right, I'm gonna work it. Mm. Cool. Next question. How are you gonna work it? Again, like I can start to work 100 leads in like 10 minutes. But I just press a load of buttons. The system thinks I'm working it. What we really want to be focused on is, well, how am I working it? That's the greater investment of time. That's the bigger opportunity. And that's when we start to think about not just prioritization of first response time and those higher level SLAs, but what, what, are, the, what are the structures in place behind that step, like after that step? As in, how much time are we going to give to a low-scoring lead with, within a week, right? Do they get 20 minutes? Do they get an hour? Do they get more? What, what does that actually look like? like mm. Are we going to send more or less emails? Are we going to put more or less time into the messages? Are we going to cold call? Should we cold call these people or not? That's, we look at the units of time we have per head, right? Times the number of heads. How much of that capacity do we, we want to invest in a very... Um, it can be a very effective, but it's also a very costly activity, right? So we start to not only say, well, we should do this before we do this, right? High and low, but we say, we should do this more. We should go deeper, right? And, th and this is the notion of, if you're a high scoring lead, I'm going to give you three hours of my time over a two week period versus if you're low scoring, you might get 10 minutes and there might be some automation in there, right? And when as sales leaders, we get together and we talk about pipeline, we will discount lower scoring things because we know they're unlikely to convert or less likely, right? We'll, it's about, it's really about resource allocation and it's mm -hmm. so much more than just follow up within this period of time or meet this SLA. It's, well, what do we put in place behind that metric to make sure that we're not burning too much or just the right amount of time on this lead and then constantly changing and optimizing that. Does that oh, make that, sense? Yeah, and, and that is the, the, the sales cog that's moving or in um, underneath that are the many of them. And you're, we're trying to make this, you know, the sales side spin as efficiently as possible. And then yes. you, you plug that marketing side in and it's like, right. we need to be cognizant of, of the sales side of it so that totally. we can not send too little too many. We're trying to keep sales efficient. We're like an efficiency you know, incubator, you know, or an expediter, we can, we can yeah. help sales become more efficient with here's more leads that are, you know, sorted appropriately for you to help you maximize your time. I, I haven't um, thought this yeah. analogy through at all, but I'm just going to run with it. Right. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a car that has three engines, you know, an engine for every, every score, or every chunk of segmentation you adopt. And each engine drives the car in a different way. And I don't know, maybe that day you have a, a really long way to travel. Maybe you yeah. can travel further on one engine. It just takes longer. Maybe there's another engine that gets you to a short-term goal, but it runs out of steam pretty quick, right? It won't take you as far, but it'll get you there faster. It's, this is a messed up analogy, but I think of marketing like the, the fuel, the gas that gets put in. How much gas do you want to put in each one of those engines at what point in time, depending on where you want to go and how fast you want to get there, right? 
you're not going to, this is to make it practical. It's very unlike last day of the quarter today, right? Yeah. It would probably be, in, and, and this happens a lot. All the sales leaders out there are going to be like focused on, on the stuff that's right in front of their nose as they should be today. Close those frigging deals, make it happen. We're mm. 98% of target. Where's the other two coming from? Like Daniel, what you got, what you got, you know, and they're going to be really, really short-term focused. And that's, that's correct. They should be today. There should be a little bit of time spent on, on planning, et cetera. But throughout this week, progressively, they've become more focused on this date. So if the marketing team came over and said, hey, we know what you need. There are 20 enterprise leads. We have a six-month sales cycle. These guys are right at the start. We're going to pour that gas in the tank. Like, I don't need that engine right now. I need the other yeah. engine. I need the wins. I need the short. I need the smaller deals. I need the deals that are about to drop. I need the enterprise deals you put in months ago. Right. So that it's a very simple example, but maybe it helps make the point. Um, yeah. And, and understand the, the cycle too, the, the length of the sales cycle. You know, how long is your sales cycle is not just a sales question, it's a marketing question. And, yeah. and yeah, giving someone a six month sale to, to work and the last day of the quarter, they're not getting called, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, and, but and the it, ones that are like, close or, you know, maybe just about to tip over, maybe they get a, an extra deal or something, but yeah. Yeah. And it's not saying that marketing don't do it or salespeople don't work to them. It's just saying that this is just one example of how mid quarter, mid month, mid week priorities can shift, right? They're always changing. There are a number of variables. This is one of them. And on this day of all days, it's probably not the best day to start net new prospecting into an enterprise account, right? right. It's not, not going to serve the business well. It's a, it's a simplistic example, but um, th this, this is the interface between sales and marketing. That's, it's really hard to, to get it right, I think. I've not, I've not experienced it too much in my career, right? I've not worked in a ton of places, um, but th th this did work really well at Intercom. It wasn't perfect, but it did work well. And it, to have it work well, it requires an awful lot of trust, right? Because right. it's very easy. And even the best of relationships, this is going to happen. Like you're going to, you're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to, you're going to misrepresent something. You're going to, this is bad. Or you might use language that feels fine to you, but not to this sales has their baby. You know, I know my deals. Don't, don't you talk about them. Marketing has their baby. I know my leads. I know how to get them. Don't, don't you talk about them. Right. And I think there needs to be, um, the team as a whole needs to have a way to interface and communicate. And that's what I meant by like filtering with, with mediation, with leaders, et cetera. But then ideally there's this core team. It's like a tiger team of leaders and maybe even senior reps, right? Or really trusted reps that come together in a private room around a round table and just have a very open dialogue. And they bring as much information to that meeting as they can. And they leave all the egos at the door. And they just say all the shit that's on everyone's mind. And no one takes offense because we all trust each other, right. put relationships up. And we say stuff to each other that we wouldn't say out to everybody else. Right? But we really get to the core of the problem because the, the worst thing that you can do is a rep on the floor, right? Three months into their role says, geez, these leads are bad. And you just let that sit, you know, that spreads, that spreads. And then a marketing person might say, sales don't, it doesn't feel like they're following up on our leads. Like, why aren't they closing anything? And they let it sit and it spreads. And the next time two people that have never talked to each other before get together from either side of that, that equation, they've already got this, they've got this, this bad context, right? There's already a negative pretext to that. Right. So um, 
I, I really like honest, open, hard conversations about the state of play, the quality of leads, what we're doing. Um, I, I want to encourage it. I want everyone to feel confident talking about it, but I also want it to be a resolve where a core group of people come together and say, well, what do we actually do about that? This sentiment, this thing, where is it coming right. from? How does it manifest? Is there something we can do to fix that? Or is this just a case of us, you know, saying, Hey, <laughs> have respect for your peers. Right. As bad as it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and thinking about marketers and myself and others, you know, none of us actually that I know of, I've ever met a marketer that actually wants to create a bad lead. No you know, one like has a crap lead. Like that. No, no. You know? Um, so if it happens, we don't like it either. No. <laughs> we need to know about it. And your point earlier, and I love the, the tiger team egos at the door and you, and I imagine the conversation that's happening is around your point earlier, the idea of not, <laughs> not getting rid of the broad strokes of leads are bad and getting specifics. What yeah. about that lead made it bad? Like what, or or they didn't ever call you back. They ghosted the hell out of you. Can we figure out why, but not just, I hate them. I hate you. Yeah. And when you gloss over the detail like that, it can be too easy. It's it's, people want to find a villain, right? It'd be lovely if everything was binary. You're bad. I'm good. It's not my fault. Right. Right. That was the maturity piece earlier on. It's there are, there are so many variables in sales and in marketing. So, so many, in fact, that we just can't account for them all, right? Um, we can control like a, a, a fraction of what mm-hmm. our buyer and prospect is going to do, the way they interpret us and our solution. We can control a small part of it and, and we should, but like, it's an oversimplification to say things like that. Like this lead yeah. is bad. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when you really, you bust that myth, like you debunk it, you go deep. Let's talk about it. Not an attack on your person. I'm not challenging you. I'm not telling you that you're wrong. Right. right. And I'm not telling you that it's a bad lead or, why was it bad? And it might be as simple as, oh, well, they, they just never show up to meetings or something. Well, that feels like something that we might be able to control within the sales team, you know? Right. Or actually like, no, they show up. It's just, we just don't have a fit. Well, they know nothing about our product, right? And, and they should have because this is the, the composition of that lead type, right? They, sh- they should know. And then you get into the nuance of it and then you can have like a really objective chat. Um, but so, so many people don't do that because it's, it's hard and it's all... It's all prepositioned by a strong and healthy relationship. So if you don't have leaders that get along well, it's very unlikely that anybody else within the org is going to get along well, you know? Not saying that I've never met leaders that don't, but um, I think that that tone and that example needs to be set from the top. And when it is, like, it's amazing. We're all playing for the same team. And like, yeah, the leads were shit this month, but here's objectively why, why they were bad, right? And, and by the way, um, we, we just weren't that good at selling this month. We had a bunch of people out of the office. We didn't meet the SLAs. Uh, we had a conference that distracted us. Hold our hands up. We actually, um, <laughs> we just need more training on how to run these types of deals better. That's why we're not converting, you know? Right. It, takes, um, it, it takes a particular type of maturity within an organization to, to have that chat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Strong leadership to be able to, bridge those gaps so you can just have real open honest conversations to make it happen i love that it sounds dead dead easy doesn't it but oh it's super easy <laughs> just click here <laughs> yeah uh, well, sign up right now well my next question is like who are you how, how you yeah. clearly gained some maturity in the sales side you, you have a bigger picture understanding now you're getting into tech take me back in time little wheel days did you know you're going to be crushing the sales quotas and building out tech as an entrepreneur no <laughs> I had no idea. I was one of those kids that didn't know much about what they wanted to do. Um, I, 
I mean, it depends what age we look at. I've always been very outgoing and gregarious and really like problem solving. And I struggled to hold my attention on things and sure. just sales actually, not that I fell into it. I, I didn't. I always, I always enjoyed interfacing with folks, solving problems, making money. Right. Um, and then throughout my studies and then like university college, when I, when I finished up, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. I did um, general business management studies, university, with a focus on procurement and supply chain management, right? transport, logistics, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I went into a job to do that. And I very quickly realized, like, yeah, I, I'm actually not bad on the phone. In fact, I was very bad. I was very, but I felt really confident. I'm not bad on the phone. Um, I'm actually really good at, at solving these problems day in, day out. It's constantly changing. I get to speak with new people and try new things all the time. It's never simple. It's not a set path. That really appealed to me as, as a person, right? Just the makeup of my mind. I couldn't sit down and do the same thing every day forever. I would get really bored and depressed. <laughs> so yeah, we're getting into psychology yeah. now, but sales is really fun. Because, um, and as similar as it is to marketing, like imagine a marketeer would work on uh, a sprint for six weeks or a project or a website redesign or deliver a campaign. And there's, there's an ebb and a flow to that. And there's planning and consultation and build and then delivery. And but there's these bodies, these chunks of work. And in sales, you have the same thing. It's just oftentimes you have lots more of them. <laughs> and they come back, you lots, fa you know, way faster. Right. And you have to be constantly deciding where and where not to put your time that that's a really good mm -hmm. seller. not saying that i'm one of them but the best sellers i know are those that don't break their back and work 90 hours a week right they're the ones that can fit it all into 40 to 50 maybe 55 60 at a stretch if they're really pushing it hard end of quarter right yeah um but but they find ways to navigate that that tricky maze of where do i put my time at any point in time you know um so i'm a I'm a seller. I have been for a long time. When I was younger, I enjoyed it. And then over time, I just learned myself what makes me happy. It's, yeah. it's a variety in my work. And it just so happened that sales really gives me that. There, there's a bit of a rush to it, right? I, I've definitely yeah. dabbled a little bit in that. And, you know, there, there's a reason why you, you bang a gong or you, you know, <laughs> you have a little celebration at the end because it's a little like mini battle sometimes. Sometimes it's a month, several month long yeah battle or challenge and when it finally happens there's there's time to celebrate i feel like sometimes marketers don't have that um yeah. that celebration moment now you mentioned there's sometimes there's projects that launch but there's not usually that it's like a different kind of thing you don't really have that release of like oh we did it you know um yeah. it's like okay the site's live what's wrong with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know? it's always on the work continues, right yeah how do we make it better <laughs> You know, there's, I actually don't know why that is where we can get into it, but I, I know that with sales, there is, there is a very definitive conclusion to right. sales teams are structured in a certain way. Um, it's silos within a silo. It shouldn't be silos. They're not, but you have SDRs. They generate demand. They qualify. They set meetings in, in most organizations. You have account executives. They manage those deals and bring them to a natural conclusion, which is setting up, paying and, and closing. And then oftentimes they'll hand it off to someone in success or account management, and then they'll begin their work. So there are these very clearly defined kind of tranches of work with really clear start points, and really clear end points. And there needs to be, because it's this 
It's a big old machine. You put stuff in and you want money out the other end of it um, and to help people, right? Um, but no, I, I just think by, by nature of that work, it's easier to say, my job began on this day and my job finishes on that day, right? Close that deal. And now I need to do it all over again, you know? So it really is just a complete gutting of everything and you start fresh and maybe that's something to do with it. Like with marketing, yeah. you're right. You deliver the website. It's like, well, it's not finished yet. Now, now we need to continue testing, continue optimizing, et cetera. We've run that campaign. Great. The, the next one's coming right away. You know, there's a lot we learned from that. How do we apply it? Whereas in sales, you figuratively shake yeah. somebody's hand, you, you collect the check, and then sometimes you hand it off to somebody else. Right, right. Not to make yeah. it sound disingenuous or like you, you don't care, but yeah, maybe that's something to do with it. Just the nature of the work. It's just, yeah, it's a different, it's, you know, the, the science laboratory versus the something, <laughs> the, the, the arena. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. Marketing is a bit like the science laboratory, right? If that's what you meant. And then, yeah. and then sales is, I don't want to call it a production line. It sounds really bad, but it's, um, it's a sequence of events, you know, yeah. and there's clear ownership. From each party within that sequence, they know what they do. And it's like a relay. It goes from one to another. So you have this natural conclusion of one person's work and the next person's begins. Right. And even if it doesn't, I mean, I've held multiple roles where you kind of do it all, you know, you do the whole yeah. thing, including the account management. Um, but I suppose there's something about there's something about getting paid, you know? Yeah. And and that in most organizations is the goal, right? We have a revenue target. We want to hit that number. And like talk about being one step away from, from revenue. I mean, in, you, you're touching it in sales, right? Totally. Maybe, maybe there's something to do with, with that. You're literally, you close that deal for 50K and you see the company go, boop. Right? <laughs> Whereas with, with marketing, it's perhaps a little bit more incremental and gradual and the results aren't always as immediate and definitive, you know? It's true. And you know, sometimes I've even you know, personally struggled when I've been in marketing, if I didn't have all the tracking set up or didn't, wasn't clear, I would wonder, have I helped even? And sure enough, the executive team might be wondering the same thing, but it's like, yeah. have I though? And whereas in sales, you, I, that was my deal. I, I yeah. did that. I, I moved this company forward. Now I didn't do it by myself, but I finished it for everyone. The and there's key. just that the higher profile. Yeah, there is. Right. And we, we give it that status because it's, it's so obvious. I think it's easy in a way. It's like, well, obviously you did that thing and now there's money and now we're close to our goal. Like it, it's easy, but you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said everybody else, right. There's so much involved in it. And like some people will say, Hey, well done. AE. Others will say, well done. AE and SDR. Others will say, Hey, it was a team effort. Well done team sales. And then others will say like, well done RevOps. Well done marketing. Yeah. Right. Well, well done customer support that triaged and helped through three months of trial and pilot. Right. And that that's the, the tricky bit. And that's the bit that can really help with those harder conversations around what is and isn't working. You know, it's no, no salesperson is an island. And the person that says, oh, I can close anything sounds a bit like an island to me. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to watch out for that uh, because unless they are pure outbound, but even then, when you cold call somebody, what's the next thing they do? You go and check out your website. Check your website, yeah. But yeah, they probably put the phone down and forget about you. But so a lot of them will <laughs> probably check your website. <laughs> right, right. So it's this collective team effort, and and without, God, you, my mind's just swimming with stuff here. Like, 
oh, you talked yeah. about measurement and attribution. That's that's really hard. Like ideally, we have all the systems in place to empirically track track every touch point and everything weighted, how it influenced the deal. Like great, and the system can tell us. Uh, but but oftentimes it's not just that that takes time to put in place. It's that it just it never it never happens. You know, it didn't happen at Intercom. Like in all the time I was there, we were working on that for so long. Of course, we set up funnel metrics and there was attribution modeling. And I can't to talk too much about this because I didn't set it up. Right, but it, it felt like in many ways, it was just this unfinished project. Not a bad thing. It, just, it was just never brought to a conclusion, you know. And, and the, the, the glue that kind of kept everybody sane throughout all those projects, those interactions, those, you know, we've got a new North Star or and now we can track this data. The, the, all that aside, when everything was said and done, it was salespeople and marketing folks and everyone else talking together and saying, you know, that deal we had with Scottish Power, they came through from that ebook or that webinar or like they love the website redesign or holy mm -hmm. like product team, that new messenger version we just launched. This is the feedback I got from this customer. They love it. Let's do more of that. You know, it's really hard to do that as you get bigger. And I think it's getting harder for Intercom. Um, but a while ago, you know, the whole company would come together in a common cafeteria and there'd just be this, I talk about this tiger team in a, mm -hmm. in a round table, right? Yeah. You, you can manufacture that as you grow, as you grow up. But in the early days, it was just everyone thrown into a room for lunch and like conversation would just flow and people would just feed off each other. And it, it, it was a very clear sense of purpose and there was a shared ownership, right? It never felt like sales was on its own. It right. never felt like marketing or anyone else were working a thankless role. Um, just through natural conversation, it, it, it was made clear the work that people were doing, you know, but it's hard to maintain when you lose that over time. And see that feedback that, hey, you, you, you contributed the thing you did, that ebook that you have no idea if that actually moved the needle. You know, people consumed it, but you don't know if they liked it. Uh, What's the story that, behind it? Yeah. yeah. But that feedback back from sales, that's like gold, you know, just, hey, you were part of, part of this, you know, made me even wonder the whole concept of like, you know, tip the bar back or like, you yeah. know, the bartender or, or the waitress, you know, tipping the bartender here. Hey, thanks for those fast drinks or whatnot, yeah. but maybe moving things around. Maybe sales should start throwing some cheddar at marketing, you know, Hey, that should lead. That was magic. Send me some more and have them all routed my way. Here's some money. <laughs> they, they absolutely should. They absolutely should. And, and there are some practical ways you can, do it right. We, you know, common areas and did it and a lot, lot of intangible things and, and, and leadership setting the tone and the vibe. But one thing that Intercom did and still does really well is they would do like deal reviews in a very public way. So you'll have some sales teams that do a stand up and break down a deal and they'll do it at a high level. And then really good ones might find ways to go deep and pull out the learning. At Intercom, every Friday, they would do a thing called show and tell. And historically, it was a, an opportunity for engineers, developers, researchers, product managers to get up and say, this is what we've built. And it was so fucking cool. And it was, wow. you know, it was alpha. It was like all the cool stuff that was coming. Like you just felt for the sellers, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is like the roadmap of the roadmap of the roadmap. So cool, right? right. Uh, and then over time, we started having sales folks get up and tell these stories as well. So they do a show and tell on a deal or a win. And then, by the way, that product that you demoed four months ago and you released last month, well, here's how it's impacted this deal. You know, and, and, and that was always an opportunity to do multiple shout outs to product owners, managers, maybe the marketing team at times, support team and reps, right? But it just helped to really promote this sense of 
community and, and kind of common purpose. Yeah. So like say for anything else, if you're a company and you're wondering, oh, how can I bring these two groups closer together? Just start putting some people on the spot at the end of every week and have them talk in a public way about how and why they want to deal. Right. And I can guarantee you, no one's going to get up there and say it was me. I did it on my own. Yeah, all they're, they're, yeah, they're accountable to their peers at that point. It really forces yeah. you to reflect. So, well, this is good stuff, man. I I know you've made this transition out of you know primarily focus on sales, but now into like tech. Vidu, what what's going on? Why do they call you the god of gifts? <laughs> they don't or gifs <laughs> and JPEGs. What's going on? What do you yeah. what have you created? Gifs, peanut butter. Now uh, we've made in it. Now, do you call it a GIF or a GIF? Let's be. I call it a GIF. Call you call it a GIF, GIF. and since you're yeah. the god of it, then we'll just go with whatever you call it. Yeah, take my lead, please. Yeah, no, it's your GIF. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Call it what you want, so long as you use it, that's fine. No problem. Yeah. Okay. No, I, so, I, I, what is this? So this, and I, this will be on camera, right? This will be. On yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. we get video. Some people are listening, but we'll just describe right. it for those that aren't. For, for the listeners, I am holding a piece of card. Uh, okay, so Vidu, it was the idea for it. I say the idea for it, like the problem that we're trying to solve here was was really grappled and wrestled with at, at Intercom. So a long time ago, I was, not too long ago, I was selling, and then I was outbound selling at Intercom. And I was trying all these wild and crazy ways, inventive ways to get the, not just attention of prospects, but meaningful attention and engagement from prospects. We were recording videos. I was putting together very customized demos of Intercom. And I was completely customizing and personalizing the whole experience. It would take me time. But when I did that, it really showed the length that I'd gone to. And it framed what we do in, in, in such a personal and relatable way uh, that it was very hard for the prospect not to imagine how we could help or not to engage with the illuminating question you asked or wh whatever it might be. Point is, I was doing outbound and it was really frigging hard. And a way that I found to make it easier was to really show people you cared, create inventive, personalized media, demos, videos, GIFs, all sorts of things. I like it. Put in emails and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it really worked, really worked. I met my now co-founder, at Intercom. He was working there a little bit before me, an engineer. I did a show and tell one day and I, I got up and I talked about the outbound motion that we were setting up. And I talked about what I was doing and none of it was scalable, but it was working. It just wouldn't work for long. <laughs> and at the end of it, so he ran over. You know, I said, if anyone has any ideas or wants to help. And at the end of it, he ran over and he sort of shook me. Went, oh my God, I think we can deliver like 85% of the value that you just shared there, but do it with like a fraction of the investment. Like we, could, we could do it in an automated way. We can scale it. Okay, wow. So for like three years then, and during that time, I moved into management and built an outbound team. And we used a lot of the tools and techniques that me and Gavin uh, came up with, right, to affect our number. But we, we came up with all sorts of projects, tools, products for the marketing team, DG team, for we even worked with product managers at times to demo Intercom in really personal ways, create gifts of it. We built tools for the sellers to let them make videos and gifts on the fly in Slack. We just had a wild time helping salespeople increase engagement and response rates in emails. And then one day we said, this is a problem not exclusive to Intercom. Can we do something outside? So then we left, we set up Vidu. And now we offer sellers a way to create a personalized GIF of themselves. They record a video once, we convert that into a GIF they hold up this mini green screen that we give them. It's not okay. Green. <laughs> it 
And then that gift that we capture and we save for them, they can very quickly in about 10 seconds, personalize that, create new versions of it. It's still you waving. It's still you scratching your chin, but all the content on this green screen can be personalized to the prospect. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Okay. That was so that way you don't need to write the, the different first. name every time. Yeah. Like, a, correct. Because otherwise yeah. you have to write Jeff, Casey, you know, Will yeah, you have to get a whiteboard card. and do it. Right. And, and the bigger issue here and, and the trend we're seeing is a lot of folks will use tools like Fidyard and Loom and, and video, um, video selling tools. Sure. And they're really great. Right. There's, there isn't really a substitute for video dialogue say for you know, two-way video and then in-person meeting people. Like it's much better than just a standard email. But the issue with outbound selling is that they don't know you. They don't owe you anything. We know how hard it is to get somebody's attention in an email for even five seconds. Why would anyone in their right mind, <laughs> this is controversial, why would anyone in their right mind think that it's appropriate to send someone a two-minute or a 90-second video, right? <laughs> And have them click a link, go to it, wait for it, buffer it, watch it, then come back to the place that they were. Like, this is a marketing show, right? Yeah. We, we want as few clicks as possible. Sure. We want like time to value to be. So when you put this friction in front of prospects, at first it worked because in and of itself, I got a video. That's new. I'll watch it. Oh, yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like getting but paper now, mail. Yeah, yeah. But like paper mail now. So maybe video will make a big comeback. Um, <laughs> but, but now it's like, okay, you've got these sellers spending hours making video and there's a barrier to entry. You can't just hop on. Then you've got these prospects being presented with a frictionful experience to consume it. The message isn't getting through. So we don't purport to be a complete replacement for video. We say, hey, early in a cadence, when they don't know you, when you know, time is a, a, is a precious commodity, Make these in 10 seconds, put them in emails, communicate a very clear, powerful, personalized message. Do it in a visual way that shows them you're real, you're a human, but don't force them to jump through hoops, click links, go places it, to consume and it just your message. Sits, it sits on the email, so they don't need to leave anywhere. They can just... No. When they open the email, the GIF will play. Immediately, they see Casey. I want to play with They this. get a sense of you. Yeah, play with it. They get a sense of you, and then... These gifts, by the way, you can make a really bad gift, just like you can make a bad video or email yeah. in general. They're only as impactful as the content that you put into them. Two parts. It's, it's you. It's what you do, right? It's the expression that you pair this with. But it's also the message. This is where the marketing stuff comes in, like really deeply understanding your personas. Not what you do, but what they do, what might not be working. And asking illuminating, challenging questions about this or making observations or offering insights. But when you look at an email and it's a wall of text, it can be quite easy to reflexively ignore that, even if yeah. there's a video link in it. What do I put yeah. in there, man? Guide me. Be my spirit animal. <laughs> so, I want to do this. I mean, for you, what are you trying to do? You want to get more guests on the podcast? Uh, well, we, we have a service that um, creates and, and produces podcasts for businesses. Okay. So we want them to buy a podcast. Like, help, let us create it for you. Yeah. So, I mean, why would anybody want to? create a podcast do you think so they can meet their future customers mm-hmm. and why won't they want to do that so they can have great conversations with them build a relationship and then do business together there you go awesome so we could build out a set of questions or observations about that and put them into gifts to grab someone's attention so that might be like, like what what would you put in you there could- so like, did you know, so let's say you're researching a company, right? And yeah. you notice that a large portion of their customers are 
a particular demographic, you might offer them an insight and say like, hey, Casey, did you know like 80% of X demographic are listening to podcasts? Right. It's just, it's just an interesting insight. Like, Oh, I didn't think about that. So you have like a stat, like a fact on it. Yeah. So that's one example. Okay. Like, cool. Offer them an insight. Like why should they care about podcasts? You could also ask a question, you know, how, do you know how many of your customers listen to podcasts regularly? No. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> that's the question. Oh, that's the question. <laughs> you know, yeah. And the idea here is it's not to communicate everything through a GIF. It's to highlight a piece of information. It's either, um, I like it. It's like, it's like an amplification of an insight. It's, it's the fact that you've done research about them. Like, Hey, I noticed you were on, Hey, I noticed you were on, uh, you know, the hard corpse podcast last week. Amazing. And then below that gif, you might say, Hey, you ever thought about running your own podcast and giving mm. some reasons why, right? It's really about taking what is sometimes a dense message and taking a really important element of it. that's easy to overlook and highlighting that to set tone, to, and earn the right to get the rest of the message engaged with. Does that help yeah. you out? Totally, man. Cause like, like, let's say they were on a show, right. And yeah, to your point, it, it could be, it looks like I'm on the site. It looks like you can have like a website or you can have different things. So I could have a link to them on Spotify or something like, Hey, I, you know, you were just on this episode. I just saw you on the show. Yeah. Um, and that might be yeah. the perfect opener for you to then ask some questions about like, how was that show? Do you know what the reach was? Ever thought about controlling this or running this yourself? And yeah. blah, blah, blah. it's, I mean, you, you tell me how you break into accounts, the, the questions you asked, the things not about hard corps and, and the services you offer, but the shit that really keeps your prospects up at night. Like why, why might a, a, a podcast for them be a potential solution to what, you know, and then we structure language around this. Hmm. So, and that's what I mean about like, you can make a bad gift. This is the really hard part. This is the really hard part. This is where like, gr this is where marketing comes in and that really strong relationship and dialogue between sales Here's what's happening on the ground. Here's what people are saying. Here are the problems they have and marketing with their inside at a broader level. That all comes together and creates like amazing statements, observations, insights that these prospects are really going to resonate with. So just to come back to the video point, by the way, don't stop sending videos, right? Yeah. This leads back to what we were talking about earlier, right? You've only got X units of time in a week. You can't send a video to everyone always. Who are you going to send it to and when? Maybe sending a video on, the, on day one, first touch, knowing that 10% or maybe less of people will actually view it. Maybe that's not the best use of time. It might be. If you're whale hunting, you only need one deal, it might be. But for a lot of people um, I work with, they'll score engagement and interaction with their sequences, with their outreach, right? With the sales motion. And then as you start to become a slightly warmer lead, then they'll say, boom, it's cold call time. It's video time. My investment of time goes way up. Because the uh, likelihood right. that is going to come from this increases. Yeah. This so, is great, man. It's all full circle. We talked about the investment <laughs> yeah. time. Now we're coming back around to it. Like it's this constantly is a, changing. Different ways we can tweak that. And this might be early on. Could can I scale this marketing wise? Can I like have a, yeah. a column in a database that pulls for every single email address that so not only drops the name, but maybe drops the 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 link and dynamically change it for every one of their gifts as as I send, or does it have to Go for no, the so you, you can make them just in time with a Chrome extension. Sellers can record them, marketers record them quickly, make them quickly. But then, yes, you can upload a CSV. You can integrate through Zapier. 
we have an integration with SalesLoft as well now. And you can do what you're describing, which is like in, insert dynamic variables into these GIFs. You got to get HubSpot yeah. next so we can really have a party. Go to inbound. So, Hub, so HubSpot works. But we get asked that quite a bit. It's outreach and HubSpot next, I think. We're debating okay. which one. Maybe outreach. Um, but actually, you can oh, well, do it with HubSpot. Yeah, I hear you. You can do it with HubSpot thing, through right? Zapier. If you use Zapier and like yeah. the juice has to be worth the squeeze though, right? Right. But if, if you're sending lots of emails and you know, a 50% increase in relative response rate would mean a whole lot for you, then yeah, let's spend an hour stitching it up. But yes, it's, it's totally possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I just know HubSpot's <laughs> a biggie, but outreach, you know, obviously you got the, the sales and user warrior using that. The, the thing about outreach and sales loft, and we're a two-person company at Vidu, right? Got so it. when I talk about marketing, I have such a profound respect and appreciation for them because I know how fucking hard it is to do now on my own, you know, <laughs> me, me and Gavin. Um, it's really difficult. But we're, we're two people, right? And yeah. we can't do everything all at once. So for us, it's very important that we meet our customers where they are, as in the, the, the major problem that I see the market suffering right now is people are watching fewer videos and salespeople continue to send them. The, the, the common knowledge is, People aren't watching as many of our videos. Uh, let's send more videos, right? And that's fine with emails because, yeah, okay, yeah. emails, it's not good, but you can automate that. With videos, it's like, I'll, I'm getting diminishing returns. I'll increase the investment of my time, mm -hmm. you know? So for us, yes, we do work with marketeers and other forms, uh, other sort of personas within the sales space, but really it's SDRs and BDRs that we're laser focused on at this early stage. And right. it's helping we, them yeah. to get a better return from their time early in a cadence. And so video is the target for us for now. Love that. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense, right? Because at that point, you haven't yet earned the ability to routinely get them on a call or to get them to reply back. You're, you're trying to bridge that gap. They've Maybe they've seen some good content. Maybe they're intrigued, but maybe they don't want to go down a, a funnel with you just yet. And so it's like, ah, we're at this, should we play, shouldn't we? And so you need that extra boost to get them to to engage yeah exactly it's just yeah. it's just it's a way to earn the right to start a dialogue and yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to say it's this time efficient way and but it is it is it's it's a way that helps sellers to it's not just save time though it's it it's to communicate who they are it's like their their number one asset is themselves like there are thousands of sales development professionals out there and they're all competing with each other, whether or not they work at competing companies with competing products. They're all competing because it's an attention economy now. A CEO at a company, you don't need to worry. If you're sales off, you don't need to worry about outreach. You have to worry about every other damn company messaging that person as well. You know? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, you've all become commoditized. Um, yeah. Getting in front of them, showing them that you're real, showing them that you actually care, letting them know that you went a step further because not every, the vast majority of people don't do this. Sales emails are very samey and it's not because they look the same, it's because they are. They talk about themselves a lot. It's not a difficult problem to solve, right? Thinking through some good copy for a message that really resonates with the buyer. The painful bit is when you do all that frigging work and then they just don't read it, right? That's what we want to solve for. It's just yeah. to let them know that you're real that you care, that, that you notice, Hey, I noticed you, you grew your team by 250% last month. Wow. wow. And yeah. then below that, you know, one thing I notice 
And folks, when they grow in that way, like sometimes this can be happening, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. That's what we're I love that. The context that shows that I looked, I looked you up. I'm not, this isn't complete, you know, mass mail. This is something. My, 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 uh, my observation because out, outbound, it's like, why is there a response rate of one to two percent the world over? And why, why, why do we keep doing it? You know, it's woefully inefficient. Why, why do we do it? There's this massive human capital cost to the outbound sales motion. Yet most companies, at some point, if the, in their life cycle, need to start to do it. Right? Inbound's no longer enough to sustain growth. What are we going to do? Let's hire people and let's go outbound. There's a massive, massive cost to it. Right. And I wonder, like. You know, I, I used to work at Google and I would send messages to people and if only they knew how we could help, you know, I mean, (laughs) no, they were the best, but like, come on, you know, or intercom, you'd you'd sit down, you'd you'd make that message and you think, Jesus, these guys just, it's just so obvious, right? To me, the seller, it's just so obvious. Like we can help these, we work with this other person and it's just, holy smokes. Do they not want to save a ton of cash? Do they not want to hit their goals? Like sounds really ignorant, but I'm making a point, right? No, like, yeah, there could be just the, the tightest fit ever, ever. And if only they knew, you know what I mean? Right. The issue is, I'm like, why don't they respond to that? The issue is, I feel that um, you've not earned the right and they've been burnt before by other salespeople. There are many more bad sellers than there are good. There are. Yep. 100%. And you've all been sent a video that did nothing but talk about them. You've all been sent an email that was just like completely forgettable. Worse than that, took your time and you were annoyed about it at the end of it, you know? Yeah. Um, folks out there have trained these buyers to ignore people that have really valid, interesting, genuine, uh, value-providing things to say. You know, honest people that have done their research and want to have a conversation about something that might really be able to help you. And it's not that we have to have the conversation. It's just that there are people out there that do that work, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't get noticed. And they that's, don't. yeah, they don't. <laughs> I've tied myself in knots here. I forgot what the point was. But I'm just, I'm so passionate about that piece. Like people send so many emails. It's just, it's a sea of them. It's a sea. I know. I know. We're not it's doing like anyone a service. It's a silly game, honestly. It's it's a game that you don't need to be playing. You could be podcasting. You could be, you know, showing how much you care. You could be holding up a customized card. There's there's a million things you could do just to give them a little drop of you know caring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, just, just care. That's the point, right? That's the yeah. point. Buyers don't care until they know that you do. That that's the um, point. The, the the reason people your quote, sir. Yeah. Well, the, the they you don't give a damn until they know you do two or first right but and that's because of past experience that's because of all the other shit they have to do they have to know that an investment of their time in you is warranted right and you got to start you got to lead that dance and, and show that you've invested in them yeah exactly this is why buyers don't respond because they're fearful correct me if i'm wrong they're fearful that you're going to abuse their time like who doesn't want to improve elements of their business right? mm-hmm. everybody does everyone's working on it the issue is are you the person that's going to help me are you just some other talking head that's telling me I can get a 10,000 X ROI and you know, the world's full of those people. It's hard for the good ones to stand out. hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Preach. Preach. Where can people you know, let's throw out the, the video URLs. Where can people can contact you where you <laughs> want them to hit you up? Where are all the good links at? Thanks for the riff. Video.io. Yeah, you go to the homepage. You can't miss it. 
You can sign up for a free spell plan. that and people can Vidu, click on it. V V I D U dot I O. Boom. That's so short. Yeah. And we're going to redesign the website soon. So get ready for that, but you can come on, you can check it out. It's free to sign up. You can use it for free indefinitely up to X amount of times per month. Go check out the pricing page. And then if you want to sign up, we've got monthly annual options, automation, all the rest of it. Um, but for me, I'm just, I love seeing the people sign up every day, create new gifts, some of them amazing, some of them not, right? Constantly giving them feedback, working with the community. So yeah, oh, if you want to that. check this out and give it a try, come on over. Love it. Love it. I'm going to give it a, sh- a shot, man. I love the idea of that. I, Because I care and I want, I want to express that. So this is really good stuff. Man, thank you so much for being on here. I've literally learned from you. I feel like I just went to school um sales <laughs> school as well as caring school and video and all these things so thank you again i appreciate it thank you man fun chat thanks for letting me pitch hard yeah pitch hard <laughs> that's right well if you teach hard it's like teach hard pitch hard right yeah i got carried away you know no I'm it's just, all I'm good obsessed man. with this problem man and I, I haven't figured it all out yet but that's what we're trying to do well, that obsession leads to good stuff. And, and you know, for those people listening, if you're obsessed like I am, well, then you definitely got to try this thing out. And then also, if you've learned something, then for sure, you got to share this episode. And I freaking know you learned something because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. So <laughs> share this. There, there's That's my care card right here. Look, look, I have a page of notes. <laughs> can, um, I, can I, your energy is infectious. Can I, can I do my best impression of you? Yeah. <laughs> can I close? Can I close the show? Oh yeah, sure. You ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. Thanks everybody. You're listening to Hard Corpse Marketing. That was me, Willie Wizard. This was Casey, my boy. Thanks so much. See you next time. <laughs> there it is. There it yeah. is.